Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And we've had an extra day here because in honor of the Packers' performance on Sunday, we decided to emulate them and take the night off, uh, which it appeared like uh, the Packers did on Sunday night, getting thrashed by the New Orleans Saints 44-23. to And Matt, usually I have a little outline about what I think we need to discuss in the show, but I don't have any of that today. I thought an extra day would kind of help me make sense of this. It really has not. So I'll start just by asking you, what do you think happened on Sunday, and is this the sign of things to come? I'll say no. Um, I think what happened really is just a couple of plays here and there. I mean, it ends up being 44-23, to but, I mean, you could clearly see that these teams were pretty much on the same level for the first half, and I think I still think the Packers are the better team of the two. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, all of a sudden Rodgers gets hurt, throws a couple of interceptions, and that's the difference, really. I, I think if that doesn't happen, the Packers probably win, but it just ends up being really lopsided because of a couple of really significant plays. So for them to lose by 21 points, it, it hurts, and it, it looks really lopsided, and it looks like maybe I should be panicking panicking a little bit more than I am, but I didn't come away from that game feeling too terrible, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I guess I didn't either. Um, I was really upset the night of, and you obviously knew yes. that. <laughs> and part of the reason was, is as soon as Rodgers got hurt, and the way he reacted, and the way he played after that, and the way they had to cut back their offense completely, they were doing some dynamic things, and they were rolling them out, and after that, he was Drew Bledsoe back there. I mean, yep. he didn't move, didn't do anything. I was having flash, flashbacks of last season, and it just felt like, here we go again. We start 5-2. and two. This is going to be a season where we can actually do something, and then Rodgers gets hurt and the team falls apart. And now, having had a couple of days, it sounds like Rodgers is going to be okay. I'm kind of coming back from the ledge a bit. And when you look at it, yeah, 44-23 to 23 is a big difference, but the Packers had 23 first downs to the Saints' 28. They had 491 total yards to the Saints' 495. Um, it really was not that big of a difference, and it felt like a game they could have won until the Rodgers injury. And I understand those kind of things happen. So part of me is thinking you just you ran into a desperate team that has a lot of offensive firepower. They're the kind of opponent you've struggled with ever since this Dom Capers era of defense began. Um, but I still think that it felt a little bit to me like a gut punch when we really thought the defense was coming around. And it's like, nope, nope, good quarterback, we're back again, and this defense still uh, is a big question mark. Yeah, I guess that's the biggest takeaway, too, is that the defense had looked so good. And then against an offense which has been pretty mediocre all year, you just get absolutely torched. And I think it was interesting, I don't know if you caught this near the end of the game, I think it was Chris Collinsworth that said that, Sean Payton, previous to the game, said this was some of the most comfortable he's felt going against the defense, going into a game, because he felt like he knew exactly what we were going to do. Well, and he also Something. said, go for the head, I think he said, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Um, they, yeah, but... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to okay. ruin your train of thought. <laughs> threw me off there. But, <laughs> but, you know, I guess that's kind of Dom Capers' defense in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's kind of what we've, yeah. we felt. And for him to actually well, say that is kind of shocking. So I think that might say a lot about where we're, where we're at right now on defense still. Yeah, the thing that scares me a lot is Drew Brees tearing you up, 
doesn't bother me. He's Drew Brees. Even in the two games we beat New Orleans in 2011 and 2012, Drew, Drew Brees still played great. So you expect that to happen, and I certainly expected, you know, Drew Brees 27 to 32. That's a little higher than you'd like to see, but 311 yards and three touchdown passes. The latter two stats there, you're expecting from Drew Brees anytime you play him in the Superdome. So that's not that big of a problem. The problem to me is Mark Ingram, 24 carries, 172 yards. The last time. By the way, Mark Ingram has only rushed for more yardage than that one other time, and it was against South Carolina in 2009. Even in college, he had one other game of 172 yards. A former Heisman Trophy winner who's been a huge, uh, not huge, but it's certainly a disappointment in the NFL, he only had one other game that was better than that at Alabama. (laughs) And at the Saints, and so to see him go off and just look like Emmett Smith was something that was very, very troubling. And he ran well, too. I mean, I'll give him a little bit of credit for that, but the defense definitely made him look better than he has ever looked at his NFL career. I think they said he had either only had 200-yard games before, or this was his second. So he's It was his second. He's never really done anything like this in the pros. He did look really impressive. Um but, yeah, to allow that kind of a game against a running back like that that you don't expect to do that at all, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, and so a little bit back to the drawing board, I guess, but it's one of those things where the run defense has been poor all season long, and at this point, what are you supposed to do about it? And I think that might be the troubling trend is Aaron Rodgers hurts himself and the whole team comes unglued, the defense continues to be unable to stop anybody. It was so striking how similar this game was to last year's game when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Not only the run defense being absolutely atrocious, but Eddie Lacy coming alive. Yeah. You know, it, it was almost a clone of the game and it was weird in that regard, but I'm not that worried about this team. I mean, the top team in the conference is the Arizona Cardinals, which I don't I would be surprised if they sustain at this level and they're certainly beatable as compared to some of the other teams that have been on top in recent years. But, man, it just feels like, yeah, you're you're still the same team you've always been. Expect a divisional round loss is kind of how I feel after this. And I wanted so badly after this last month to believe that wasn't true. I try to be objective on these shows, but, you know, when you're a Packer fan, a longtime fan, you just you, you, you get caught up into it and you hope that it can be different this time. And I feel like Sunday just kind of was another reminder that, no, this still is the same flawed team that it has been the last four years. And at this point, there's no reason to think that they're not going to be in the playoffs. There's also no reason to believe they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah, but I think every single fan base in, in the league is thinking yeah. that right now, with the exception of maybe Denver, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. you know, how are we going to make it to a Super Bowl at this point? Everybody's flawed. Everybody looks weak in areas and, and not – I mean, they're – as I've said on this show before, do I feel really confident that they're going to end up going to the Super Bowl? No, but I think they've got as good of a chance as anybody. Somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seattle doesn't look good. San Francisco doesn't look good. Arizona looks good, but Carson Palmer's their quarterback. Yeah. And it's like, why not? You know, I don't think they're going to run into a buzzsaw like this, how good the Saints played. Mm-hmm. Um, if they end up playing the Saints again, it's probably going to be in Lambeau. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I guess, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I guess I, I'm i still feeling pretty confident at this point that they could even still make a run this year, I think more because the competition's a little bit down than it has been the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think that's always a good argument, and this has been the dichotomy between you and me as long as yeah. this podcast has existed. <laughs> even before that. Yeah, exactly, yeah, as long as we've been fans. And I, I agree with you, and that's kind of the ebb and flow of the season for me as a fan is, 
all through October when they were whooping everybody, it was like, yeah, why can't us? But then after you see Sunday, it's like, well, how can it be us? Yeah. Because they're, they still can't – when was the last time they beat a really good quarterback? And I'm not talking like beat a good quarterback like when they beat Drew Brees 28-27 because Aaron Rodgers played out of his mind. When was the last time they even slowed down a really good quarterback and were able to beat him? And I can't even remember when the last time that was. Before Dom was here, I, I don't even – do you even have any idea when that could have been? Well, the Peyton Manning Colts game a few years back, what was that, 09? 08? Oh wait, <laughs> that was yeah. a dom. That was Dom's first year. No, that was still. Um, who, who was his name? Was that Bob Sanders? Oh yeah. So Dom's first year was in '09, the, the Cardinals playoff last year, right? Yeah, the year when they played three or four good quarterbacks, and it was the two Brett Favre games and Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, and the. Right. I think Kurt Warner had 36 completions and 35 pass attempts in that playoff game. Yeah, I mean, no elite quarterbacks. Obviously, they have good luck against Cutler, but everybody <laughs> seems to know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I guess I can't think of any off the top of my head, which isn't great. Well, and then that's... It's the same argument we always have. It's like, when you look at the Packers on a talent level, you think, yes, they can get it done. They're talented. They're as good as anybody. But then, once you start thinking logistically, how do they get to the Super Bowl, what three opponents or what two opponents are you confident in them beating? Maybe Dallas, but is Dallas going to get there now? I think maybe Philadelphia, but I certainly wouldn't... I don't know. I mean, I still think they could beat Seattle and all that. I, we can go down that road. We'll have eight weeks to talk about that stuff. But certainly the anxiety level uh, as far as the capability of this team is risen for me after this Saints game at the very least. Yep, and rightfully so, I think. Okay, um, I don't really have a ton else to say about this game. It's been a couple of days. Um, what, what about some of the calls that Mike McCarthy had in this game? Yeah, really strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, surprise onside, and then the throw to Julius Peppers, and also going for it in his own territory on fourth and one. I guess those are the the three big ones, and you can comment on those however you wish. Yeah, and I think the thought that most of us had was, why, against a team that you feel you're better than, do all these things? Mm-hmm. And uh, the going for it in the second half, I think it, it was, what, in the third quarter? Yep. Um, I agreed with that one. You were running the ball so well. Lacey was a beast. Maybe the mm-hmm. actual play call itself was kind of strange, trying to bounce it outside a little bit. But I, I wanted them to, and I normally wouldn't in your own territory. I like to be a little more conservative, but I thought that they had it going, and I thought they'd convert, and I didn't disagree with that. But mm-hmm. the surprise onside and then that weird pass to Peppers, they they had said that they had practiced it a bunch, but it just looked so messy that it seemed like they really hadn't. And I think the announcer said afterwards, well, why don't you throw a jump ball when you've got that big of a mismatch? Why are you running a slant with Peppers? Mm-hmm. If you have, if you just have a receiver out there, you score a touchdown. What is the point of having Peppers out there then? There's absolutely no reason for it. So, I uh, I don't like doing that against a team like that. I mean, maybe if you're playing Seattle in Seattle and you're trying to catch a couple of quick ones, I I don't mind it as much. But it was just kind of strange, and that could have really changed things a little bit in the beginning of the game. I think the uh, final score probably ends up the same, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, real strange kind of. Yeah, I hated the Peppers play. I thought it was a complete waste of a down. There's no reason to do that when you have Jordy Nelson and you have Randall Cobb. Or if you want to do something stupid, put Eddie Lacy out there or something. You know, yeah. I, who cares if it, it – it feels like this thing we ought to always criticize Dom for. It's like, oh, they'll never see this coming. We're going to trot out Dayton Jones to cover Calvin Johnson. They'll never see this coming. <laughs> it's like, who cares? I mean, that's not what your guys are built to do, and it's not that unique of a play. And I just thought that was stupid. The, uh, the surprise onside was certainly a surprise and I thought was kind of unnecessary. If they would have made it, obviously, you would have It felt almost it. worked. They had a chance at it, but 
they just didn't quite execute. It was kind of strange that they had nobody along the back there in case something bounced back like that. Everybody was already past the ball. Yeah, and it's really they got to hit it exactly how it's drawn up, or it's not going to work. And yeah. in, the, in their defense, how many times have we seen Mason do it? He did it in the playoff game against Arizona, and it worked. Yep. He did it in the Flynn game against the Patriots, and it worked. So I guess I was a little less upset about that one, yeah, just because they've done it before. Yeah, and and the fourth and one in your own territory, I have zero problem with that. I even have zero problem with the play call. Like you said, Eddie Lacy was tearing it up. That's on the offensive line. Don't get destroyed by a team that can't yeah, stop they got anybody. On that play. Yeah, what are you supposed to do as a coach? You call the play, it's a one-yard run with a beast running back, and he doesn't even get his feet under him. So I don't have any problem with that. And I I wanted him to go for it, and then they went for it, and they didn't make it, and they got beat physical at the line of scrimmage. And at, at that point, I was like, well, you know, what can you do about that? <laughs> so, yeah, very frustrating. Um, so I don't know how to wrap this up, really. This is probably going to be a shorter podcast. Uh, it's been a couple of days, and also we got a big one planned next week that we'll we'll talk a little bit about later. But again, it I was looking up some stats because the Packers haven't been destroyed very often under Rodgers and McCarthy, and this is the second time this year they've lost by 20 or more points. And I looked it up, and only two teams in the history of the Super Bowl era have ever lost by 20 or more points multiple times and won the Super Bowl, and that was the 07 Giants, naturally. And the 79 Steelers actually got beat twice by 20 or more points and were able to recover. So a lot of your Super Bowl teams don't get blown out at any point in the season and then come back and win the Super Bowl. But we got to talk about how just messed up the NFL is now. How can you have those kind of stats that I just talked about mean anything in an era where the Colts can hold a good Cincinnati offense to zero points and then the next week give up 51 points to a, tr- a struggling Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Yeah. You have the Lions and Falcons did those kind of extremes in one game. And so this is like NBA stuff right now where no lead is safe, and I'm sure they like it that way, but it's got the feeling where we're trying to find meaning for our team and for any of the teams what does it all mean each and every week? And it doesn't mean anything. I look at it like I want it to be some kind of epic HBO drama, and it's more like a sitcom where everything starts over at the next week. Nothing meant anything. Don't even think about last week because it doesn't matter. Yeah, it is kind of strange like that. You try to see trends, but it's just like they don't exist. There are no trends. Mm-hmm. Anything can, can turn at any second, not only from week to week, but in the middle of a game like we saw with that early morning game. It's just... Really bizarre, <laughs> and it just seems like it's so impossible for a team to keep things rolling. That's why it's so impressive. Like what Arizona's doing right now is, mm-hmm. they don't seem like that great of a team. The defense is good, but they just keep winning and winning and winning. Yeah. But nobody else, other than a, you know a couple other teams, can, have been able to sustain anything. Mm-hmm. And you think your defense is good one week, and the next you give up 51 to a bad team. So it's just. Yeah, I mean, maybe what we're doing right now, and what every talk show host in the country is doing, is completely pointless. But. Um, <laughs> not going to stop it and it's not going to stop people from talking but it's uh, you're right there's there's no way to predict anything it seems like anymore yeah it almost makes me hope denver does win the super bowl because they haven't lost the game in regulation they've hardly trailed their defense is number four in points i think six in yards they're one in everything on offense and just for my own sanity i'm like they look like a great team and if you watch every game denver's better than everybody and it really isn't close at yep. this point and so I'm kind of hoping that if I don't think the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl, but if if it's the non if I had a non-Packers choice, I think at this point, just for 
the history of the NFL, which I greatly care about. I hope it's Denver. Okay. No, you you you're you're rooting for the Houston Texans. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really expect you to have any kind of point to that, but I I always cheer for great teams. I, I guess to me, I don't like investing all this time in the NFL and then have the Redskins win it. <laughs> or you know, it's it was fun a couple of times when it happened in the early 2000s or when it happened in the mid 2000s, and then when it happened six years in a row, it's like okay, yeah. so I wasted five months to watch some bad team get hot for four games. Yeah, we talked about this last playoffs. I think that I that like. Then now me, while I'm watching a game, I, it's just stupid because I cheer for like these underdog teams. And then when the next round comes and I've got to watch two underdog teams that aren't very good play each other, I'm like, well, this sucks. Yeah. It's, it's like I kind of wish it was Patriots Broncos instead <laughs> of this. But, it, yeah, I always end up rooting for these underdog teams. Like right now, if Arizona won the Super Bowl, I'd be a happy guy. But it's like, yeah, that's kind of stupid actually <laughs> when there's teams yeah. like Peyton Manning's Denver Broncos out there or you know, so many other good teams that probably deserve it more. But it's, I guess that's just the way I am. Yeah, and, and I understand that completely, but to me, who remembers all the stupid regular season games, I'm the kind of person who sits back and like, oh man, that was kind of silly of me to stay up late on a holiday weekend to watch the 11-2 and Giants play the 11-2 and Panthers in 2008 when neither of them won a playoff game, and then the crappy 9-7 and Cardinals whoop everybody and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, it's like, I want meaning to the entire story, not just the end. Sure. All right, um, I guess I don't have anything to add about the Packer game. They got stomped, but as we just talked about, that might not mean a whole heck of a lot in the modern NFL. They have some very winnable games coming up. What, five of their last eight are at home? So they got a chance to do some things, and the three road games are Tampa, Buffalo, and the Minnesota Vikings. So they got a shot to still be a pretty good team record-wise, and then uh, we'll see what team can uh, break our hearts by beating us at Lambeau Field in the play. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we haven't done picks on the air the last couple of weeks, and I don't know if you've made your picks yet. But oh, I have. I'm ready to go. Oh, you're ready to go. Okay, I gotta. I have not. I'm a, more of a. I just made them like ten seconds ago. <laughs> so. Okay, so I don't have to feel bad for making right. mine on the fly here. Last week, I believe I, because of the Colt Steelers game, was able to win by two games. But both of us kind of had a mediocre week after the Packers lost, and then the Redskins beat the Cowboys last night. Mm-hmm. We both were texting back and forth about that Redskins-Cardinals game, or Cowboys game. So before we get to the picks, what are your thoughts on that whole Jerry Jones situation and Tony Romo's injury and Jones may or may not having commanded that he returned to the game? Oh, I haven't heard that. Has that been talked about today? I guess I didn't hear that. I know he was in the locker room when I was watching the game last night, but I guess I didn't hear anything about that. Supposedly he was in the room when Romo was x-rayed, and he was the one who told Jason Garrett that Romo was ready to go. And the discussion is whether or not he said Romo's going back in or Romo's available if you need him. Either way, it seems like he's very much overstepping his yeah. game day role. Yep. Um, but... People are talking like if you're Jason Garrett, how do you ever regain the team if Jerry Jones commanded that Tony Romo get back in the game? Yeah, I thought that was really strange. That I mean, if he wants to go down to the locker room while he's getting x-rayed, fine, but I thought it was really strange that he felt that he had to be the one to go talk to the head coach when there's plenty of doctors and trainers to go do that. Um, I did have that feeling last night, but I guess on a larger note, I thought that game was awesome last night. I loved watching it. I don't know why. It was just cool, cool seeing two, you know, old good college quarterbacks, two old crappy Browns quarterbacks just <laughs> doing it out on Monday night for teams that, you know, I didn't even really know that they played for before the night started. 
and playing really well. Colt McCoy played really well. Brandon Leiden led a touchdown drive at the end. I just thought it was exciting. It was good to watch. Um, and then Romo coming in at the end, it could have had a chance to be even, you know, cooler had he come in and thrown a touchdown or something. But mm-hmm. it was cool to see Colt McCoy get a win in Dallas, and it was just, I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it was cool, unless you were the ESPN Deportes guy who tried to interview him. Did you see that at the end? I d- no, I didn't. Okay, I... Colt McCoy apparently was supposed to listen to Jay Gruden's speech in the locker room, and the ESPN Deportes guy was ready to talk to him, and this guy, like, forcibly removes Colt McCoy from the interview and then yelled, no means no, at the guy. Um, I did hear that. Yes, I didn't know that was the ESPN Deportes guy. Yeah, it it was a strange ending, but I agree. I, I don't think there's anything more exciting in the NFL than when backup quarterbacks play awesome. <laughs> it's it's like the best thing ever. Especially when it's a guy that you know, too. I mean, Colt McCoy, the winningest quarterback in college football history. I mean, we watched him for years in college, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see him get it. I mean, he's not going to have a good NFL career, but it's cool to see him at least have a night like that. Yeah, and really thinking, too, about how his moment was stolen from him when he got hurt in the first series of the national championship yeah. game. I always feel bad whenever I see him. My like, gosh, he, you know, he had one of the best seasons in college football history and he didn't even get a chance to really play for the national title. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely cool to see that uh, work out for him last night. Okay, now let's get to the picks this week. And on Thursday Night Football, we have the last two Packer opponents, the Saints in Carolina. Who do you got in that one? I think that the Saints game was a little bit... Um... I don't think that's quite who they are. I don't think they're going to be that good. They're going into Carolina, which is, is a harder place to win, but I'm just not impressed with, Car- impressed with Carolina at all right now. I guess I'll pick, I'll pick New Orleans on the road. Yeah, and I'm actually going to pick the Panthers. I think New Orleans on the road is horrible. I think yeah. last night they got up against a team who really isn't that great defensively, and then they got lucky when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and they became a punchless team that had no what, way to do what it. What are the Panthers? I mean, what do they do? They, their defense yeah. stinks. They don't have any offense. I just... I guess I have no confidence in them to win, like, any more games the rest of the year. I don't think they do anything good. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, that, that Seahawks game was so weird. Them, I watched most of that game with uh, Seattle and the Panthers, and I felt like I was supposed to think that it was two great defenses, and it felt like two offenses that are just terrible. Yeah, and I think that's probably right right now. Yeah, not that the defense is, like, not that Seattle's defense isn't any good anymore, but it's, the offenses were just so bad. Yeah, well, he's clutch, you know, Russell Wilson's really clutch. So. Yeah, in the way that Tim Tebow was clutch a few years ago, that he can't do anything all the game, and he <laughs> magically scores a touchdown at the end of the game. Well, then Mark Sanchez is one of the more clutch quarterbacks ever, those two years when they were going to the AFC Championship game every year. Yeah, just people didn't like him as much. Oh, that, Jets, yeah, so. that's a good point. He has a stupid delivery, though, so yeah, that's, that's probably true. Right. Russell Wilson has a cool one, and Tebow's is pretty cool, too. So Yeah, Tebow's the best. Yeah, well, his delivery's the best. Okay. All right, so I'll pick the Panthers anyways. Even though all of your arguments are irrefutable, I'm going to pick the Carolina Panthers in this game. All right, marquee matchup, probably going to be beamed all over the country, Bucks at Browns. Ooh, it's a good one. I'll take the Browns. I think the Bucks are like the worst team in the NFL. I know... What Jack, or Jackson, or the Raiders haven't won a game yet, right? Yeah. Or Jack, or Jacksonville won one. Yeah, Jacksonville beat, uh, the Browns. Yeah, that's right. Tampa stinks, so yeah. I've gotta pick Cleveland, though. Yeah, I, I'll I agree think, with you. Yeah. I, <laughs> no good reasoning. I think their defense is probably just, I guess, okay enough to win. Cleveland at home, and I hope they're taking notes on how great Tampa Bay looks in their awful uniforms, because supposedly Cleveland is getting their own set of awful uniforms next you think year. think we're gonna see Johnny Foots soon? Uh, I was thinking in the last game he was going to get in, but he did not. Their offense has just been so bad. You would think that something would spark him. 
Are you talking? Well, I don't know. Didn't they score like 31 against Pittsburgh? Cleveland? Yeah, I think they beat Pittsburgh like 31 to 13 or something like that a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, that, that was a few weeks ago, I think. Yeah, and then and then Hoyer had the big comeback against the Titans, so I don't and know. In that Pittsburgh game, I think Hoyer only threw for like 150 yards or something like that. But. Yeah, but I I think as long as he's not turning the ball over, and I think he'll stay in for a while. And honestly, if they keep winning, there's really no reason to stir up that kind of controversy. I don't I don't know. I guess it depends on how good they think Johnny Manziel was. I mean, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, didn't they pull Kurt Warner for Eli Manning when they had a winning record and then the, the bottom fell out? Yeah. But at least Eli wasn't kind of a, a tool who just gets in trouble all the time and that is kind of, you know, cocky and thinks he's great when he hasn't done anything. Eli's like the perfect guy to handle a nine-game winning losing streak for his first nine games. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, big deal. I feel like if they put in Johnny Manziel when they have a 500 record and it all fell apart, he would completely self-destruct. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. Jags at Bengals. Um, I'll pick this one, I guess. Uh, the Bengals will win. Yeah, Bengals at home, no doubt. Uh, Eagles at Texans could be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Philly here. I, I just don't think that Houston's running game has been so good. but And, and Fitzpatrick at least throws you know a touchdown or two a game. But I, and five picks. I, I, don't, I don't trust him. Yeah, I guess I'll pick Philly. Nick Foles has not been very good at all this year. I think no, he's he has got, not. Well, he's got like nine interceptions already. And even LaShawn McCoy has not been, you know, nearly what he's been in the past either. Yeah, I didn't even play him this week because I forgot he had a bye week last week or something. So I left him on the bench for my fantasy team, and then it ended up working out anyways. But yeah, I none of those offensive guys. I don't know how they're scoring all their points. I haven't seen any of the Eagles games other than that giant one, and they didn't really do a whole lot. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Their defense has been really good this year, quietly. Yeah, man. I guess I'll take them. Just I feel like they have a little bit more offensive firepower than than Houston. And yeah, wow, this is going to be a weird game. I could see it going either way, but I'll take the Eagles. The Jets traveling to Kansas City. Any chance for an upset? No, Casey. I'm not picking the Jets again. I picked them last week in an upset, and I'm not picking them again this year. They look so bad. I got to pick Kansas City. Yeah, I'll agree with that. The Jets have the same problem that the Badgers had earlier in the year, where, hey, play Stavi. Why don't you play Joel Stavi? And then he comes in, and you're like, oh, yeah, Stavi's not very good That's either. Right, now yeah. I remember. It's so stereotypical, too, of each of these quarterbacks with what they've always done. Gino throws three picks right away. You put in Vic. What do you expect? He starts fumbling the ball like crazy. <laughs> it's just like what he's been his whole career, and you know it's not going to get any better. So I, I don't think they win, like, any more games this year. Gino Smith was 2 of 8 for 5 yards and 3 interceptions. That's one of the Pretty best good. stat lines ever. <laughs> okay, the Washington Redskins at Minnesota, another marquee matchup. Yeah, I could maybe see Minnesota pulling the upset here at home, but I'll pick Washington. It, it's tough, especially if, if Colt McCoy is starting again. I just think they've got a, a lot more firepower than Minnesota probably, uh, and their defense has been pretty good. Yeah, I'm actually going to take Minnesota on this one. I, I feel like it's going to be a big-time letdown for the Redskins after beating Dallas. Yes. And then going on the road, I just don't see how they sustain that. Minnesota's got enough firepower to... This will be a, a shootout for these two teams, so Minnesota will win like 23-20. to 20. Yeah. But, but it'll feel like a shootout to the two teams involved. Rams at 49ers. And as I keep reading off these games, I realize this is going to be a very bad week uh, for the Packers yeah. to go by because these games all stink. <laughs> yeah, um... I'll, I'll take San Francisco, I guess. I don't trust them at all either, but I, I think they're better. Rams on the road are terrible, so yeah. I'll take the 49ers. Uh, some better games. Cardinals-Cowboys, so that hopefully will be our noon game. 
I'll take the Cardinals whether Romo plays or not. I think the Redskins are kind of like we're kind of like a poor man's Cardinals last night, and that they all they did was just put a ton of pressure on Romo, and that's what the Cardinals do best. So if they couldn't beat the Redskins doing that, it's not like Romo didn't play the whole game. He played most of the game mm-hmm. and couldn't get anything going. I think the Cardinals defense shuts down that offense, and they win. Yeah, these are both teams that I think are playing not quite as good as either of their records. But the Cowboys' big wins have come from Romo just being phenomenal. Uh, he's made some incredible plays, just running around the pocket. The Houston Beating game. some bad teams, too. Yeah, I mean, they needed a huge comeback to beat the Rams. Uh, he had some late heroics against both Houston and against the Seahawks. So if he can't do any of those things against a good defense like the Cardinals, as long as they don't self-destruct, I think they have a really good chance to win. So I'm going to agree with you and say the Cardinals. Another pretty good game at noon is the Chargers at the... Miami Dolphins, so that could be a decent game. Yeah, I'm so torn on Miami. It, it seems like they play really well, and then they didn't play so hot last, um, just this last weekend. I, I'll pick San Diego. I just trust Phillip Rivers right now with that offense. I think they're definitely the better team. So even though they're on the road, I'll take the Chargers. I'm actually going to ride the hot hand in Miami, and they kind of struggled against the Jags, but they still won. Uh, they arguably should have beaten the Packers. They've had some more impressive wins, and I know the Chargers beat Seattle, but in the last four days, they really got stomped twice. Yeah. And so I think I'll take the, the Dolphins for now, and I think the Chargers are probably a better team, but I think in Miami, uh, I'll take the Chargers. The Raiders... You're taking Miami, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, Raiders at Seahawks in an old AFC West battle from years ago. Yeah, Seahawks. Uh, yeah, Seahawks. <laughs> the Broncos at Patriots. So this is always a fun game. Last year in the AFC Championship game was pretty bad, but they had an absolute classic in the regular season a year ago when the Broncos uh, squandered a 24 to nothing lead and then the Patriots won in overtime. So can, uh, can Denver finally – well, I think they've beaten – uh, Manning's beaten Brady in Foxborough, but I think it's been a while. Can he do it again? I'm going to pick New England. I'm kind of surprising myself because, as we talked about, I think Denver is clearly the best team in the NFL right now, but New England really figured it out last week, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're going to sustain that, but it seems like they've got a healthy Gronk, and LaFell is finally you know, an, an extra weapon for Brady. So it seems like that offense is finally getting rolling at the right time here, and the defense is playing pretty well. Um Ah, oh, man, I don't trust this pick at all. But I'm, if it was in Denver, I would pick Denver, but I think I'll pick the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it, too. The Patriots have been pretty hot since they lost to the Chiefs. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Denver. I just think, ultimately, they're the better team. And the teams that the Patriots have beaten as they've gotten back on track are teams that I don't really know anything about. I think that they beat the Jets and Bills. I know the Bills are winning, but I don't think either of those teams are very good. The Bears are in complete disarray. Their defense might be the worst defense I've ever seen. And uh, Cincinnati, who knows about them. So I'll take, yeah, I'll take Denver. And it's going to be a tough one for them, but I I just think they're better. So I'll take them. Ravens-Steelers on Sunday Night Football as the NFL scheduling people insist that this is still an important rivalry. <laughs> and this, I think that this was the hardest one for me to pick. Pittsburgh looked really good last week, but that was really the first week their offense looked that good. But I just, I never trust, I never pick them. They always seem to win, but I'm going to pick Pittsburgh at home again. Um, if Pittsburgh can at least just do you know, part of what they were able to do on Sunday, I think they'll score enough points to win. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll take the Steelers at home uh, for most of the reasons you said. It just this feels like a game where 
Big Ben and Flacco are just going to schlock around and not do anything and throw a ton of overthrown passes, and somehow the Steelers are going to win 16-12 to 12 or something. All right, and on Monday Night Football, pretty good game. The Well, maybe not a good game. I don't know. Colts at Giants. So for a second I was thinking Eli versus Peyton, but it's not the case anymore. Colts um, on the road, but, I mean, I could see this being a shootout. It, uh, it probably, like, six interceptions total is my prediction <laughs> for this game, I think. Um, but it should be exciting. A couple of quarterbacks that just sling it around, so it should be good. But I'll, I think the Colts will win. Yeah, and uh, I'm... Yeah, I guess I'll agree with you. The Colts on the road are just a weird team. But, yeah, this will be a fun old-timey game of two quarterbacks that really just don't care if they throw interceptions. <laughs> yeah. I love watching Andrew Luck. And last week was, you know, they got stomped, and it was still one of the best games I saw all week because the dude just doesn't care. He'll throw a ton of interceptions. He'll fumble all the time. He falls in the end zone on his butt and throws a safety. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, he's just the kind of guy that the NFL needs more of, and Eli Manning certainly uh, that kind of player as well. So I'll take the Colts, and I'm... I'm thinking this will be a fun game to watch. All right, I'll tally up eventually. Maybe for next week's show, I'll tally up how our picks have been going. I think we're pretty even. Um, It's hard not to be once you get to a certain point. Most of the games are either complete upsets or complete obvious at this point in the season. So I think you're probably a little bit ahead of me because you were really strong. I had like one week where I just absolutely crushed you. Otherwise, we've been pretty much neck and neck. Yeah, yeah, so I, I would say that. We're probably both right around 500 or maybe six or seven games over 500, but when you're picking 100 games, that's not that great. Yeah. All right, so we're going to, I think we're going to wrap it up this week. Uh, We did have some comments on the Facebook page. Let me retrieve those really quick. Yeah, this is, I don't have this up, so this is going to be just phenomenal uh, listening right here. Um, You got any uh, cool stuff that you saw during the NFL weekend that you want to bring up while Facebook's loading? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, I no, I don't. I don't have anything cool I saw. Not even any uh, cool commercials. No, nothing. I watched the Red Zone Channel most of the day oh, on Sunday, right. actually, until the Packer game. So no, I did not see any commercials really. I was reading an article about how good each NFL broadcast team was, and they were ranking them. And they did it very scientifically where, like, who uses the most hyperbole and who uses the most incorrect stats and all this kind of stuff. Really? Yeah, and I think the best announcer by far in the NFL, according to their rankings, was Joe Buck. They said he hardly ever makes any mistakes. He rarely over-exaggerates things. And that the best analyst was Chris Collinsworth. And so I guess I could kind of see that the best team was... I don't even remember. It was like Steve Tasker and some <laughs> some guy that doesn't matter. But they, in the comments, were just raving that Scott Hansen is like the best football announcer in history. And I don't watch the Red Zone channel that often. And if I have it on, I have like a ridiculous setup in my living room with multiple TVs. So I usually have the Red Zone channel on a small TV muted. And so you watching the Red Zone channel, are you that impressed with Scott Hansen? Yeah, he's great. And I, when I first started watching the Red Zone channel, I was disappointed. I was like, who the heck is this Scott Hansen guy? And just, <laughs> he doesn't necessarily have a voice that sounds like a great announcer voice, but he's so good at it. And that job's so hard. And he just yeah. never stops for like seven hours and just always has something to say and does a really good job. I could definitely see that. He's not, I guess, your stereotypical guy you would think, or you would think almost they'd have like a, a well-known host, mm-hmm. but he's definitely made a name for himself. And I think he does a really good job. Yeah, that's got to be exhausting to yeah. do. 
Uh, does he do anything else on the network? I guess I don't watch the NFL Network that much. I don't anymore. hardly ever anymore either. But I guess in, I haven't seen him on things. I'm sure he does, but sure. I haven't seen him on anything. I miss the old NFL Network days, like when we got it. What six months after it was there? Yeah, that was awesome. We never stopped watching it back then. Well, it was all old yearbooks, and then those one-hour games of the week, and then they had. It, it felt like they would show games that at the time were like five years old. So this was 2004. They showed a ton of games from 98, 99, and they were completely random. Like I remember seeing like three times a Tony Banks Rams versus Doug Flutie's Bills. They would just show them for no reason. And so I miss that over. I know they got some great stuff like America's Game and a Football Life and stuff, but I wish it was less serious than it is now. Yeah. Okay, I'm still trying to find this comment. My internet is incredibly slow right now. So this has just been just really, really interesting talk. I'm, I'm guessing, but that's all right. I can probably pull it up here in about two seconds. Okay, well this it'll be a race then. I'm going. Okay. All right, I'm the winner. I was able to find it here. It was on, I put out a comment yesterday that said, just like the Packers did last night, we were taking the night off, and uh, what are everyone's thoughts? And we had a couple of people who commented, two of our great, great fans. Daniel Johnson first said that he wasn't watching because he was watching the WWE pay-per-view, but then the first play he saw was Rodgers' touchdown run in the fourth quarter, and then the Packers didn't recover the onside kick. The Saints scored a touchdown, and he turned it off. He couldn't take it anymore. Uh, Dean Ambrose lost at the pay-per-view, and then the Packers got stomped. So, rough night for Daniel. Um, you know, at least the Saints won fair and square. I'll, I'll just say that about that. Corey Bend adds, Searching for answers seems somewhat pointless to me. What happened last night is very simple, and reading too much into it is a mistake. The Saints got a home game in prime time. That is the beginning and end of it. I don't know what it is about these oddly specific circumstances, but the Saints show up with their A game for those. When they show up with their A game, the visiting team's margin for error becomes non-existent. The slightest scoreboard-altering mistake basically ends the game. The Packers had three big ones. The baffling slant to Peppers cost them four points. The failed surprise onside kick cost them three. And the first interception probably cost them seven. I actually came out of this kind of encouraged, given that they were able to outgain them in their building, even though some of that did come in garbage time. The only thing that really concerns me about what happened here is the Packers' rather porous run defense. Even that's nothing new, and we played around it successfully before. I was saying when the schedule came out that if we were 5-3 and three at this point, we'd be in good shape for a stretch run. I stand by that today. Barring a major injury bug, we should be 11 or 12-win team when it's all said and done. So, um, uh, Corey, with some very detailed breakdown, and I think he's right on a lot of the, the points and things like that, um, do you want to add anything to that? I, we talked about that earlier in the show. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much said everything that we had already said, too. Um, I mean... Much quicker than we were able to say it. That's right. I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that it's the beginning and the end of it. It's just the fact that it's a home game in prime time. I, I guess I, we already talked about pretty much everything he said and agreed with it. Um, you know, for some reason, the Saints, when they're at home in these kind of games, I mean, they, they haven't even looked that good at home this year in the in the noon games, but they have a primetime game at home in the Superdome, and they just show up and look better than they have. So I think he's spot on with most of the stuff he said. Yeah, I always feel like that, well, it was at their building and all that kind of stuff, is a bit of a crutch, because if you look at the actual record, and I know the primetime thing is important, so they, they play different in primetime, but yeah. the Packers have the exact same record at home that the Saints do in the Superdome over the same period of time. So I think, and I, I I was looking at that last week, so I think it was since 2009 when the Saints won the Super Bowl that the Packers and Saints have the exact same record in their home buildings. And so certainly nobody says it's impossible to win at Lambeau. People do it all the time. The Saints have lost like 20 times or something in that time period. So, wow. And 
I'm, now I might be misremembering. But either way, you still got to play a little bit better. But, yeah, uh, I think maybe Corey is right, and some of the stuff we said earlier on is, is true, that it's not the end of the world that you got whooped by the Saints. But the problem is, hopefully you don't have to do it again, because certainly is there any belief that if this was a more important game in a wild card or divisional game instead of a Week 8 game, that the outcome would be any different? And I would say at this point, no. Yeah, it'd probably be the exact same. Yeah, so there is that. All right, so we didn't pick the Packer. Oh, there is no Packer game. Jeez Louise, I'm so into my my regular format here. So I think the Packers probably will not lose this weekend. I don't know about you. I doubt they'll win, though. Oh, man, that's it's going to be a tough weekend for the Packers. All right, so this next week, there's no bye week for Green and Gold Forever, and we talked about it on the Facebook page and also on an earlier episode that we want to do... We're going to talk some mid-season stuff, and we'll do some quick halfway point MVPs and all that kind of stuff. But we really want to do a NFL version of What If. What If has been one of our more popular segments. All of those episodes seem to, to get a lot of people to listen to them, and they like them. So what we want to do is, instead of doing the Packers What Ifs that we've done uh, a ton of, we want to do NFL versions of What If. And a couple of you have already sent yours along, but I would love to hear those from, from other people as well. And... Just to kind of throw out some ideas, I have some that I thought up today that I also want to include, and if we have a ton of them, maybe we'll do a voting or something, but I guess we'll wait and see for that. But just things like, the big one I want to do is, what if Drew Bledsoe had not gotten hurt in 2001? I mean, that's a huge one. What happens to the whole landscape of the NFL? Some other ones I had in here were, what if John Elway had decided to stay a Baltimore Colt? You know, what happens there? Does that change what happens to the Colts? Do they move? Are the Ravens a thing? There's a lot of things you can talk about. And then some other kind of fun ones, if Jimmy Johnson had not left Dallas. And a weird one that maybe we could talk about, what if the NFL had not realigned in 2002, which was one I have on my list here. The biggest thing would be uh, two things. Seattle would still be in the AFC, and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady would have spent their entire careers as division rivals, playing each other twice a season. So a lot of interesting things, and so that's kind of the trend we're going. We're not necessarily going to talk about all those, especially if you guys have some other ones, and I'm sure you do, that you can send our way. So post them on the Facebook page. You can also email them to us at greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com, and feel free to give your thoughts for what could happen in that scenario. And then once Matt and I debate it, we'll read your thoughts as well, and uh, we'll probably end up agreeing with you because really when it comes down to it, I'm not that smart of a person, so you guys will probably be able to to think of better stuff. Not Matt, though. Matt's a genius. That's right. All right. So um, I I guess hopefully these bad games are not so bad uh, this bye week, and you can contribute some stuff, and then next week we'll have a midseason breakdown slash super NFL what if. So uh, until that time, for Matt in Altoona, I'm Eric in Oshkosh. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care, everyone.